Thank you for joining me today. This is Colin Hamilton, Commodities Analyst at BMO Capital Markets. And welcome to our short Metals Matters podcast where we highlight the key things you need to know in global metals and mining this week. Happy New Year, everyone. And it certainly has been a happy new year for metals prices and many related equities with sharp gains right out of the starting block. From a fundamental perspective, however, this is naturally a weaker demand period into Lunar New Year. And with COVID infections tearing through China, some of the December metrics there were particularly weak. And we heard of many factories shutting early for the New Year holiday. Ex-China economic data, that's also steadily getting worse. Less than 30% of the PMIs we track now are in expansion, and that's naturally raised some questions as to why things are so strong. Well, I'd encourage you to take a macro asset allocator view of the world. Having climbed relentlessly for much of 2022, the dollar is now weakening, and the path for inflation from 10% down to 5%, perhaps clear, but that from 5% to 2.5% is much less so, particularly as supply chain issues re-emerge, so inflation is still on the agenda. And importantly, Chinese economic expectations are now improving, while those for the rest of the world are deteriorating. Owning metals exposure, whether underlying commodity or equity, is a core part of the playbook in this scenario. Arguably, this has pushed prices and valuations above fundamentally justifiable levels, and it will be interesting to see whether it persists through China's Lunar New Year data vacuum. But for now, there is certainly some financial back momentum in metals and bulks. However, perhaps the most dramatic move has come from a purely physical market. Latest molybdenum spot assessments are around $32 a pound. That's over 50% higher than end November levels. With demand conditions still relatively muted, this is clearly driven by supply-side issues. The output challenges at Cadelco, which I've discussed before as they relate to copper, while they also impact molybdenum. Cadelco is responsible for about 50% of Chilean molybdenum supply. You add to that, Peru's output is down year on year. Other key primary producers such as China and the US are facing production headwinds. These gains in molybdenum, well, that's a nice tailwind for many copper operations where higher byproduct credits should reduce headline costs. For 2023, the impact of insufficient inventory cover has potential to be the real defining issue for industrial metals markets, which is something we discussed in a report we published last week. To be entirely honest, I'm I'm quite surprised not to have been answering more questions on this. If we look at it, the past couple of years have seen base metals in bona fide deficits, and inventory draw is thus required to balance the books, and the net result has been inventory levels which are now critically low in many cases. Look at zinc, Uh, less than 30,000 tonnes of zinc on the LME. That's the lowest since 1989 in absolute terms. And if you think that global zinc demands up over 100% in this time frame, significantly lower on a relative basis. In a world fraught with risk, the lack of raw material inventory is one issue which is still underappreciated. Now, given this situation, there's an argument that prices could and perhaps should be even higher if you look at the classical pinch point charts, for example. There are some caveats here, though. Uh, No doubt there's been some inventory shift from visible to invisible. I've I've talked about this before, and we do have a little bit more on consumer books. This allows, particularly when you think about end-demand uncertainty as well, metals buyers to be slightly less aggressive, or in other words, less panicked at the present time. And given the relative weakness in end-demand at the moment, the denominator in the inventory cover equation is lower than it would have been two months ago. 
There's always a bit of a Lunar New Year effect. It is earlier in 2023 than it has been in recent years, on the 22nd of January, and hence we expect many Chinese factories to be back at work by mid-February, particularly those looking to benefit from reopening demand and or policy support for the property sector. That means the period of inventory building Q1 may be shorter in duration than is normal, and that's over and above starting from a lower level. It really does raise the potential for inventory scarcity into that peak demand period of April and May, where we normally look at base metal inventories reducing. Now, these physical market impacts can really be drastically amplified by financial markets, particularly in physically deliverable contracts, such as those for the base metals. Obtaining metal to physically deliver against contract expiry has arguably never been more challenging. Not only is the overall on-exchange inventory low, but that available on warrant is even lower by the time cancelled warrants are taken into account. What does this mean? Well, should we see inventory decline into March-April? And base metals could easily be susceptible to short squeezes and blowouts in the near-dated spreads, with inventory simply insufficient to meet the needs of those seeking it for delivery against position expiry. And it should also leave metal premiums for prompt delivery well above historical norms, even as freight costs have come down from their peaks last year. Should either supply disappoint relative to forecasts or demand surprise on the upside as the year progresses, or security of supply will move even more to the forefront of decision making. And given this backdrop, it really isn't a comfortable time to be a metals consumer. Now, I mentioned molybdenum before in terms of recent price performance, but iron ore hasn't been far behind it. And really, we shouldn't be too surprised. Eight out of the last 10 years, iron ore prices have gained through December and January. Iron ore supply falls in the first quarter, it rains in Australia and Brazil, Chinese steel production ramps up to the first quarter, hence demand for iron ore rises. But it's also worth noting that other parts of the ferrous value chain are also doing relatively well. Ferrous scrap prices are up, yes that could be uh, tied into iron ore, but manganese ore prices also up, and steel prices are gaining. The steel benchmarker world export hot rolled coal prices up about $50 a tonne over the past two weeks, and comes after quite substantial declines last year. So is this real? Yes, uh, these are physical markets. It's fair to say some of this can be attributed to the usual new year, new budgets, and then consumers who are still nervous about security of supply stepping back in after the festive holidays. However, I would note that while there's still a lot of risk out there, we have in the main stopped downgrading demand forecasts for 2023. In steelmaking raw materials, the other question I'm getting at the moment is, what is the impact of China's relaxation of the coal ban in Australia? What will it mean for Metco? The simple answer is very little at the moment. It's only one steelmaker, Bauer, that is permitted to import coal from Australia. And in between, strong shipments now coming down the rail line from Mongolia, plus the ramp up of merchant coke facilities in Indonesia, which is effectively circumventing the Australian ban by processing in a third country, we see China has needed substantially less seaboard coal this year. Thus, material will have to price into China, rather than Chinese steelmakers or utilities in the thermal market, having to pull on Australian coal. On a three-month view, I'd still say the risk to coal pricing is likely to the downside. While Singshan has been the largest nickel producer in the world for a few years, last year it really came to wider prominence with its role in the LME nickel market distortion. More generally though, the company has been central in reshaping the nickel industry over time, with the first widespread RKEF use for nickel pig iron production in China, overseas investments in Indonesia through the Morowali Industrial Park, 
and the constant ability to exceed output expectations there, and more recently the push to make nickel matte from laterite ore, allowing fungibility between class 1 and class 2 units in the nickel market. And this week we've seen media reports of Xinjiang looking to potentially convert copper refineries in China to produce nickel, something which could have major implications for both markets. I suppose the first question is why? Well, going back to inventories, Shanghai Futures Exchange stocks have refined nickel sub 5,000 tonnes. Exchange nickel prices are also at a record premium to nickel pig iron quotes at the moment. China has enough nickel pig iron, but not at the moment enough refined nickel. Second question, is it technically possible? Well, we've asked a few experts on this, and the answer is generally yes. Uh, it's not insurmountable. Refineries can be repurposed with a few modifications. It is not an overnight fix, however. We would see adaptation of electro-winning facilities as perhaps the easiest route. That's already happened at a gem facility in Hubei. But at 70,000 tonnes, however, well, electro-winning is only 1%, roughly, of China's refined copper output. If Xinjiang was to be partly successful, however, it would further add to the potential copper smelter bottleneck we have for this year, and it would perhaps raise the question as to which of the two, copper and nickel, is more strategic for China at the present time. Over and above this, we could see weaker price expectations for nickel in the second half of this year, and with a significant short position reportedly building in LME nickel once more, this time round there might be material available to deliver against it. Thank you for listening to Metal Matters. And every second week throughout 2023, we'll be providing our updates on the latest developments in metals and bulk commodity markets. If there's anything you'd like to hear about, do just let me know and here's to a good year for all. That was Metal Matters, presented by BMO Capital Markets Equity Research. You can subscribe to Metal Matters on Apple Podcasts and other podcast providers or visit our website at researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com to listen to more episodes, including our other podcast series, BMO Equity Research in Tune. If you have feedback or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please do share it with me at colin.hamilton at bmo.com. To access our full disclosures, please visit researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com forward slash public hyphen disclosure.